Hi, my name's James Pikeaway. I'm Paul Kelly. And welcome back to the Know Your Audience Micro Mini Podcast. Welcome back, James. It's great to be Feeling talking. good? I'm feeling really good. It's a great day. It's it's a wonderful day. And it's, it's always a day, great day when we get to do our mini cast. The, the whole point of these Know Your Audience podcasts are to help demystify, help give folks more knowledge about how they can put into practice really good practices of analysis, decision-making through looking at data and using data in an efficient manner. Yeah, in, in things. exactly, in the marketing context, I think. And, and the best part, I think, in, in what you just said is, is also understanding that perhaps how we've always done things doesn't necessarily mean that's how we need to keep doing things. And how many times have you heard that? When I was a kid, uh, this is how... It's the most I, ridiculous bias. Or I've been doing this for 50 uh, years. This is the way yeah, it works. Exactly. And not here to disrupt any of that thinking because under learning, understanding um, from past experience is, is a great thing. But I think anybody in the finance sector will tell you past performance is not an indicator <laughs> of future returns. And that's certainly the case i think as as the world evolves and in communications channels evolve and everything changes at such a fast speed that you need to really understand people's behavior what they're doing and how they're interacting with the world around them to better reach them and that's exactly what we want to talk about in this episode is this whole idea that if we can understand the audience a little bit better what they're thinking what they're feeling in all that that holistic aspect of their lives, we can message them better. And if we can message better, that is going to have a generally better effect on our marketing of ideas, our marketing of products, our marketing of everything. Exactly. And, and also, it doesn't just make marketing better. It makes business more efficient mm -hmm. or products more targeted to their audiences and, th and things like that. And I think when you... The, the bell just went off. Efficiency. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Efficiency. How can I be more efficient, not waste time, not waste investment of people's efforts and throwing it at the wall? This, the, the throwing the mud at the wall model doesn't work anymore. No, and it, do, it doesn't need to work anymore. It doesn't have to work like that anymore. And, and the reason for that is that, you know, there, there's a, been a large period of time throughout history where we, we just haven't known what's worked. Um, and that's to an extent still the case if your objective is to reach as many people as possible in a short amount of time as possible, then then you do need to have a bit of a scattergun approach. But even in that approach, you can tailor things like um, your billboards or, or your radio ads or, or what's being actually said in the communication language um, more effectively to, to actually resonate with the person who you're trying to target. And that's that's really the key, I think, of... You can make, and that's where the efficiency comes through, is, is that, you know, a great idea, and we said this in series one, is always a great idea. Great creative, sorry, mm -hmm. creative idea. So a great ad is always a great ad. Um, and and there are creative people out there, and that's certainly not advocating to be only data-led. Data helps that process. It doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't hinder that process. And anybody who says that doesn't understand the value of what, understanding an audience uh, more implicitly and faster and better can do someone um, someone is going to be listening right now and their eyes have just rolled into the back of their head and they're angry they're getting angry and they're going hold on a second kelly spittle hold. coming out of their mouth <laughs> that's it they're foaming they're like, where is this guy where is this guy <laughs> they, and they would throw their brand new mobile phone onto the floor and stomp on it except it costs them a, a whole bunch of change that they yeah. don't want to get a new one there, there, someone is going to say, but hold it a second. 
haven't we always been thinking and investigating what the audience is thinking so that we can send any message to them? How is what we're talking about in this micro mini podcast any different than what's already been done? Yeah, it's a fair point. I think um, what a lot of strategists and planners and, and things like that in the advertising world have, have relied on is things like traditional market research methods. So um, surveys, telephone calls. Market re- Traditional market research relies usually on things called panels, which is, you know, bunches of people who are paid. ready yeah, and paid mm-hmm. to do this kind of stuff. The challenge when people actually answer the, the survey, so forget about the, the randomized ones that you're just talking about. If, if you're dealing with a panel, that's fine. Like, it's completely fine to pay someone yeah, yeah. for their time. The problem is that we have an inbuilt bias uh, the social desirability where we are trying to second guess what the other person wants to hear. Um, it's not necessarily a conscious bias. It sometimes is, but we sometimes think, well, if I answer it in this way, and that's why, you know, a well-designed survey, for instance, does take a very long time because it's trying to eliminate that bias by asking the same question in about 10 different ways right. so that you get to the right answer. And, and somebody who's an experienced social researcher can do that. Um, and it still works well, but market research in a lot of situations relies on face-to-face interviews. It sometimes relies on um, focus groups um, with a, with a, where there is a peer group. Um, a lot of those happen online now as well, uh, not just in person. And and the natural thing is that people will unconsciously lie. Sure, um, <laughs> that it sounds harsh, but no, it is. <laughs> but we do. We lie. Whatever we want to say, yeah, we, but yeah. we we try and second guess. You know, what do you and make ourselves seem yeah. better. What do they want to hear? What's going to make me look okay? Do you, you know? Do yeah. You, are you, how many times a day do you, you know, week do you exercise? Well, I've got you know, so yeah, three. Yeah. Like how many times do you really exercise? None, but you know, <laughs> yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Of course, I eat healthily. I eat, you know, <laughs> six raw eggs for breakfast. And you know, and they're you just that, straight down at Dunkin' food. Donuts. Yeah. You got that fast food bag. Did I, did I bring that bag yeah, with me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's, and that's um, and just a perfectly, that's, yeah. that's a human trait. Um, it's nothing bad, but what it can do is cloud the research. And there's mm. a great, quite, there's lots of great books on this stuff. A, a great one to read is um, The Choice Factory by Richard Shotton. Um, it's a recent book. Um, he's also a great follow on, on Twitter if you if you follow him. But um, the, he has a great quote. It's the best best way to understand it. I'm going to butcher the quote. But okay, go for I'll it. I'll say go. it in my own words. Yeah. But the best the best way to to get to um, a consumer truth is is to watch what they do, not ask. Right. So the best way to get so let's just get the, so the best way to actually understand what your audience thinks about something is not to ask them, but to take a look at what they're doing and to take a look at how they're talking about things and, and their what they're and saying the, yeah. and where they're going to things. Yeah, and, and what they're interested in, things like that. Yeah. And Which they don't usually tell you. No, and if you ask, it's going to be not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might yeah. get seven out of ten cases where they are telling the truth, but you will get um, outliers and things like that in, the, in that response that, that perhaps clouds the end result. And there's 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 a lot of examples through history of, of can products launches and things that have just gone horribly wrong mm. because the researchers didn't ask the right question i think there's a great one that i that i heard recently um it might have been um i think rory sutherland was telling the story he's the chairman vice chairman of ogilvy worldwide advertising agency and, and he was telling the story about coca-cola and new coke okay um and what they the question that they asked um in in in, in the consumer research was the taste test and people were like right, oh, yeah. it's all right yeah, it's great love it you know yeah. 
um, so would you buy it? Yeah, buy it. Yeah, buy it. What they didn't say <laughs> is that if we took away regular Coke and gave you new Coke, and this is an 80s thing, right? right? So go right. and look it up if you don't know. <laughs> we won't go into the full history here because we don't have that time. But if I took away your regular Coke and replaced it with this taste, this new taste, would you still buy it? Nope. Yeah, and that's what happened. <laughs> People thought that it was a supplemental. Yeah. It was just a new product. Yeah, would you buy it? Yeah, I'd yeah. probably buy it. Well, okay, I'll have a drink yeah. of it once in a while. I'm going to drink my regular, but yeah, I'll have this uh, you know, in the afternoon. So it's a case of, like, firstly, uh, slightly badly designed research, but also consumers not necessarily saying the truth right. of what happened. And, and there's, I mean, that's the most famous, um, I think one of the most famous damaging corporate things but there's just so many through history and, and what we're lucky in being able to do now in in the modern world is being able to observe consumers i guess first before actually going to war to into um the expanse or the the, the detail of, of market research and maybe it's to better inform the brief of what they ask in market research or what they're observing um but which we can observe people first and get insight before that happens which allows you to ask better questions so that you can do the research so yeah. that you can ultimately get the better messaging exactly. to your audience because you know or better product or better or, product. yeah or better launch or better design because you have an idea is, yeah. what they're thinking about yeah and speak and to them as opposed to trying to you're speaking at them yeah you're speaking with them yeah and i, I think I like the that. best speaking with them there we go yeah. well yeah it's much better than <laughs> speaking to or at and and that's what you get um through the, through this whole process is, is that you're able to understand and, and build a better understanding of, of who those people are and now if you're and th- this works on massive product launches of course but if you're not faced with that kind of challenge and you're faced with an everyday challenge of perhaps getting people to engage with your content a bit better you're not going to go do market research you know a lot of it's trial and error but it doesn't necessarily need to be trial and error hmm. and lots of tools out there that that do that and um and to give you a better audience understanding and better knowledge um but there is a difference in those in those kind of tools then so could you give me an idea what the difference is um well social listening for example is one that everyone knows we've talked about that at yeah. length use keywords monitor right. situations conversations that happen publicly online. that gets that gets sold gets sold as this is the answer <laughs> and we can solve all your problems with social listening and it's uh, it's affordable and we can do it and hey th- we're going to give you all of this information and we can do it fast and just you know sign on the dotted line and it's <laughs> going to revolutionize how you message your potential clients and your current clients yeah and i think there's a certain amount of that is true i mean and if you're able and have the skills of constructing complex boolean operators and things like that yeah. then it will be useful but if you're like nine out of ten people and you don't necessarily know that um your experience with it is going to be very limited mm. and what social listening does for example is it is it really just it tells us as an example might tell us that people um, talk more about soup on social media from november to february right i'm talking right. here in a northern hemisphere yeah. context makes They're sense probably not going to be doing that in the southern hemisphere yeah. but um and and that's what it'll tell you it'll give you that kind of insight now there's a there's a there's a richer vein that can happen on top of that, which is um, what like what we call, but there are other other people. This is a common general <laughs> term is um, AI enabled consumer intelligence, okay. and, and what that does is give us a richer vein of information. And, and our particular tool, Scylla, is Arabic native, but these AI enabled consumer intelligence platforms, what they're able to do is tell us that maybe as uh, in a bit more detail that people maybe enjoy soup for its warming quality during a cold mm-hmm. winter months. And they're also interested in finding new exu- exciting soup recipes. 
Um, further, maybe in the run-up to the cold months, the colder months in January and February, people need help choosing the most nutritious ingredients for their families, particularly women aged 34 to 42 have a solid affinity for fashion brands. You can get all of that kind of information through yeah. an AI-enabled... Consumer intelligence platform, yeah. Yeah. That's um, incredible. Yeah, and it, what it is, it's the bridge between social listening, which is its fundamental thing, will just tell you a basic fact, yeah. um, through to actually getting insight, and then perhaps, you know, a very detailed market research, which might may cost a lot more money. Um, and, and what this is, is, I guess, is a middle road, but it gives you a lot more information. So, for you know, there's a, so many use cases for this stuff that enables you to really get a deeper insight. And that can really help you frame things like, you know, parts of a good AI-enabled consumer intelligence platform will be able to... Um, do a lot of detailed analysis through different models. So things like sentiment, emotion, um, contextual analysis of, of imagery, personality, which is a good, interesting one. Cause personality? Yeah. So talk, you talk to me about that. Well, what can happen, or <laughs> what can happen, what does happen <laughs> is that once you are able to observe an audience, you're able to then segment them on shared interests, for okay. example, or shared demographics, whatever the choice is. So yeah. it might be I want like I just mentioned before, women aged 32 to 40, whatever I said. Um, and then, or it might be everybody who's interested in traveling yeah. um, as students. And what we're able to do then is, is um, apply a very specific and personality models, um, big five okay. personality traits, which is a very common thing. Won't go too far into it now because of time, but, but look it up. We could also include it in our notes, um, some links to yeah, that's a great what idea. it is. And... What it does is give us an insight into how that person behaves. So for a particular audience, for instance, it might be um, travelers from Saudi Arabia who want to go for vacation. So we might know that they're idealistic and, and uh, extroverted. I'm using actually full transparency here, a working example from something we've done recently. <laughs> Their top value, for example, as people is independence. So they're not necessarily looking for power or empathy. They're looking to travel, get out in the world, see it on their own. So younger people, I'm talking younger people here, by the way. Um, Their nudge or trigger is discovery and they're heavily influenced by a brand name, meaning uh, it's less about function, which therefore means less about price. It's about the quality of the brand name. It's about being able to discover things independently and that they're extroverted and idealistic. And so I I just want to clarify here because I think as, as someone is listening to this, they're going, well, that's an incredible amount of information and fairly targeted and also really detailed. <laughs> and this information is coming from observing what is being posted and what is being shared by people yeah. on their social medias. Correct, yeah. And Twitter's the best source for this because people are typically more, uh, let's say forthright or honest about their interests on twitter, on twitter. so as yeah, opposed to instagram, instagram for example we really? living a perhaps a, a sheen life. A filtered world yeah <laughs> and it's only natural because that's what okay. the platform's designed to do right whereas twitter is, is more about conversation um, news and that type of thing so typically people particularly when you're doing a segmentation analysis the, the accounts that they follow are more aligned to their interests okay. so things like sports clubs news yeah. um things like um, entertainment, entertainers, things like that. That's more who they are okay. as, as people. It's not perhaps a fabricated version of themselves, right? which is perfectly natural because Instagram is designed to do that. Typically in Instagram, we, we're 
the the real insight lies in things like comments rather than mm. people's own posts. But to do a personality analysis, you can get a really good idea of what a cohort or a segment of audience is really like by by examining. And again, this needs a baseline. It needs about three thousand tweets, replies, interactions that are public for each member of that. Wow. So you're talking hundreds of yeah. millions of points, oh, data points to be able to get to this level of certainty. But when you do, you get a really rich indication of who and how those people are. And, it, and, it's, and the really interesting thing is when you sort of give the same sort of analysis or ask the same sort of questions to somebody, you, you get a typically, you know, a, r- a very close alignment on that audience. I, I want to back up for a second because yep. there's another piece of the data that you, you, you alluded to, you spoke about, is that not only are you looking at let's use Twitter as the example. So looking yeah. at the post and the f- physically what's written and the comments and, and like, but you're also looking at the images because that's another big piece of posting and you're generating sentiment from what's in the images. Uh, yeah. Images, text is a large, is a bigger okay. source of sentiment. Um, what, what the images do is give context. Okay. Context to the yeah. sentiment. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're able to better understand perhaps the context of a post by yeah. understanding what the person's because social listening just general, I mean, platforms also now do visual analysis as well, but it's largely centered on the text. Right. Um, the better angle to, to run is, is using imagery for context and then understanding the sentiment and adjusting the sentiment based on that context um, and, and the emotions and things like that as well. So you're better able to physically get an idea of who that person really is and what their intent of what they're saying because yeah. in certain languages, even every language, sarcasm is a really hard <laughs> thing to pick up for a machine. Yeah. You know, like it does, you know, it does take a lot of work to build models that understand or at least can understand the context that, hey, maybe I shouldn't analyze this because this could be sarcastic. Like, hey, really good stuff there, James. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you miss all of that when it's written. Right. Um, you only know that by the context. Or the emojis that are being used. And yeah. 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 And even then emojis can be used sarcastically yeah. or, you know, a crying emoji can actually mean happy. And right. it's, so when you understand that context and you're able to build a model like we have that understands the context, then y- you have a better precision. What I want, what I'm curious is once clients have gone through this process and they've they've started to use these tools what are what are they saying to you anecdotally about their future messaging based on the messaging that they've done based on the insights that they've gained yeah i think uh depending on what the what the challenge at hand is it just creates better briefs for their Mm. agencies so so right back to the whole thing with the creatives the better briefs so the creatives can do a better job of designing the imagery yeah. and the text and the colors yeah. and, and the consumer like yeah exactly so and what colors to use what what are the trigger trigger imagery for that audience yeah. you know if it's a food company is that it's like a pizza with really stringy cheese or how do you make that more attractive to somebody is somebody looking for a more traditional approach to that you know where the the cheese isn't necessarily brown where you know you know or it's like yeah. a really crispy or you know, glazed donut, you know, all that type yeah, of yeah. thing. And you're able to build a better picture and a better brief um, without defining what that is. But then you're also able to apply it successfully to customer experience mm. as well. So, th- so things like actual sort of notifications from an app or those types of things. So you can use those personality insights, for example, to cater to somebody's need for commitment. Um, so you could you could say something like you've reached the top of the queue as, as, as the first thing you say in a notification if they're waiting for a chat or something like that. What those three things do is first is commitment. You've reached, you've 
reached a goal. So that if that's important to somebody, even this is all subconscious. So, right. you know, it just helps build a better experience. So you've reached something, so you've committed to it and you're going to follow it. Now, please follow through on that because you've waited this long. Please just stay yeah. a couple more minutes. Reach the top, help somebody's ego. You know, you're at the top of the queue. So if you if that segment has a need for status, that's really important. Because, oh, yeah, I'm at the top. It's just subconscious. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's not like I'm thinking, looking at it going, oh, that makes me feel good. <laughs> you probably roll your eyes, but it gives you a slightly better experience. Yeah. And that's what it is about incremental improvements to experience. And so you reach the top of the queue, for example. The queue is social proof. Oh, hang on. There's other people waiting. This is actually a really popular thing, right. you know, and... and I think some organizations and, and sectors, particularly, I think everybody's got bad experience with banking. Banking. Oh. Where they'll just say, you know, yeah. by experiencing a high like load of line calls, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't cater to any of this kind of messaging and they should probably be more forthright about how long things mm. are going to take and, and, and perhaps, you know, there's a high volume of calls. Yeah, great. So tell me how many calls, you right. know. Right. It's not not difficult to program this stuff to do that so kind of thing. We're we, you know we've got a, over a hundred people in the queue. Do you want to call back later or press zero to leave a different phone number to call you back on? Something like that right. can improve the experience. But unless you know about that audience, you're not able to build that stuff. So as as you know, it really is that nudging yeah. activity. So you yeah. can just message even just a small change is going to make your client yeah. much happier. Yeah, and you can fill that whole message like that sentence that I wrote is a whole message. So it could be you've reached the top of the queue for a callback for an upgrade on your upcoming let's say Emirates flight. Um and, and you know, we talked before about the need for the brand acknowledgement so even though they know they're in a conversation with somebody like emirates or insert whatever airline doesn't matter british yeah. airways whatever the the name is important to them so you can reiterate that so rather than just saying your upcoming flight you reiterate the name and your it just gives these subconscious nudges yeah with the, the airline Air, with james yeah. airline <laughs> and, and what that does is, is build authority just by mm. using that brand name because you're able to it's the credible messenger and you've effects. learned that through the analysis that you've done of all of this information that we've gathered in another way yeah, and, and it's, it's amazing. It's about providing reassurance because yeah. that's that need. So you understand their values, their needs, their triggers, and those types of things. It helps you frame that customer experience. But it also, you can use that same insight as, yeah. you, as you could well imagine for copy on a billboard, right. copy on a website, um, all that type of thing. And you're able to build that information from a deeper and richer understanding of the audience. So at the, at the end of this whole process, we're not saying, you're not saying, oh, we got to eliminate the way we've done it in the past and it doesn't work. This is another layer on our tri yeah. enhancement, our tried and true skills and with information, with data. And now we're adding another layer of it so that we can enhance the effectiveness of our messaging. Yeah. And what that might do for your market research, for example, is make it way more efficient. So bring the cost down because you don't perhaps need to go to as many people, you know, specifically the question you actually want to ask somebody. So you can design the surveys or observations or home visits, all those sorts of things a lot better. But also just in a digital customer experience or a social media experience, you can you know use it to frame copy on ads, to frame the imagery, to know where the you, your specific audience and what channel they're on and all that sort of thing. It just helps you tie things together. It's sort mm -hmm. of like the, the package yeah. around everything. And what it does is, is it drives efficiency. So the amount that you might spend on something like this then pays back, you know, three, four times over at least. Um, I'm talking small amounts here. I'm right. talking large amounts. On larger amounts, it's much higher ROI. Uh, because your spend is getting more traction in whatever your right. objective might be. It might be to get more clicks. It's to more buy effective stuff. spend. Yeah. It's more exactly, effective. Yeah. Everyone wants more effective spend. I don't want to waste my money. No. 
This no is allowing me to target. Money. This is allowing me to target and get a better return. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I want to do that? I don't know. <laughs> 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 it comes down to understanding, James. Yeah. I think that's the biggest part. And understanding that, you know, one size never fits all. And if right. you do go for a one size fits all approach, you've got to understand the limitation. Yeah. Go in with your eyes wide open, you know, like something like social listening. Know its limitations and use it to the to the extent of what it can help you and not perhaps a bit like we've talked about before. What what someone is selling you yeah. doesn't necessarily always reflect well, and, and Wait, what you're going to get. What I love about this whole program and what we're, t- what we're talking about, what we're talking about on this micro mini prod- podcast is that it's not saying we're going to get rid of employees. We're going to get rid of people who do this research. It's saying, no, we're going to make the people who are doing this research and analysis smarter because they have the ability now to do better analysis as opposed to the grunt work of collecting this stuff that they then have to try and an, make an analysis of, but they've got an yeah. incomplete collection method to start with. Yeah, or or they don't have one to be. <laughs> at or all. they don't have one and at it's all. It's guesswork, yeah. or they're just using past performance of campaigns that, for instance, were framed. Oh no, here's the best the one. Audience. I saw people at the coffee shop every day. I go to the coffee shop and I see this happening. This has got to be what people are thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Every day. You know, yeah, like five people that you see the same five people yeah, every day yeah, at the yeah. same time. And the same behavior. And yeah. Now become your your base Sample. baseline. Yeah. yeah. Baseline and of five. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's not a good sample. No. And and the problem is, I guess, in a lot of situations, that the problem at hand or the challenge or the opportunity um, doesn't necess- necessarily justify the spend on you know a full market research thing. So you try and use your gut instinct. I think, um, and we can just enhance that gut instinct by having a better layer of information and that's what really that's what um, ai enabled consumer intelligence does yeah i've learned a lot paul thanks james i'm glad to hear it yeah thank you very much taught the doctor (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'll I'll make a (laughs) t-shirt the doctor i'm i'm really excited (laughs) because we've, we've really laid out some nice groundwork here and again Go back and listen to the first series as well. I, I really, you, it really does a nice job of laying some That's ground. That's the 101. That's the 101. We're now on second layer here. Yeah. And where we're gonna where we're gonna go in our next micro mini podcast is talking a little bit more about Arabic and language and yeah. language and misunderstandings and how this whole platform can help you navigate that. And maybe I'm gonna use the word flatten, flatten the errors. But there's probably yeah, a better world. Probably a better world. Yeah. yeah. Improve your accuracy. Improve, there we go. Yes. <laughs> As uh, always, James. It's been a lot of fun. My name's James Pikeway. I'm Paul Kelly. And this is Know Your Audience. <laughs>